It's a little dreary outside. I'm so thankful that the sun is coming out. If you'll get up on your feet and worship with us this morning as we worship our Lord and Savior and sing about his marvelous works. See you. 
Well, amen. Amen. Y'all can be seated really quick, and we're going to continue on with worship here in a second. We just want to echo like what Quest said. We are just so excited that you're here worshiping with us this morning at Airline Baptist Church. Whether you're a first-time guest, it's your first time back here in a long time, or you were here last Sunday. I wasn't, but I'm glad to Glad to see you here. Listen, one of the ways we worship is through giving. Uh, we've got a few different ways to give. You can give by text message. You can give by mail. You can drop it in one of our boxes. We've got a giving box in the front lobby there, and then we've got one, a new one now in our office for you there. So you can give that way. While you're at it, if we've got a connect cards right here we'd love for you to to fill out drop in that box if you're a first-time guest or if you want a prayer request if you got something specifically you want the staff and others to pray about here at the church you can write that there on the back listen i want to share a verse with us this morning and then i'm ready just to continue on worshiping here you know i got to thinking this week i saw something on my my commute uh into dahlonega this week it was this sign for this restaurant that said almost famous no awards yet and I got to thinking about that. I got to think about in the book of Revelations, Revelation 4, chapter 10. It says, The 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you're coming here today and you're, you're trying to say, God, look at the great week that I had. Look at all this stuff that I did this week. Look at, look at these people that I was a witness to. God wants us to come here today in an act of worship, bow before him, cast our crowns at his feet, and say, it's not about me. I'm almost famous, God, but you are famous. I have no awards. I give them all to you. So let's worship with that spirit today. Father, we come here today just excited to be in your house, excited to be about your business because it's not about us. It's not about a church. It's not about a program. It's not about anything that we do, God, because we can't get to you. It's only through you that we are redeemed from ourselves, and we are thankful for that. God, be with us today. God, through the singing of, of worship to you, God, to the preaching of your word this morning, let everything we do be like incense rising up to heaven. It's your name we pray. Amen.
we love to praise you. We love to lift your name on high. We have seen your mercy. We have seen you do it again. We need you, Lord. And you are there every hour. How true these songs are still today. To sing and lift up your name. To sing praises to you. Because your words are still true today. Your words are still moving. You are still on the move today. And so, Father, we stand and we proclaim that. We sing that out this morning. Father, let those words fall on us, fall in our heart. Lord, let us live that out, that we cannot make it without you. We can't even walk. We can't move without you there. Lord, we need you every hour. Most gracious, Father. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you so much for this time of worship. And everyone said, amen. Amen and amen. It's so good to see you here this morning. Great morning to be able to worship together. I was a little worried when we first started off that uh, the, the rain was going to keep it. It may rain this afternoon, I don't know, but by the time we pulled up for church, it was a beautiful day outside. A little cold, but um, for me, I, I love it a little bit cold and so but so excited to see you i've got a lot of things to say since i didn't get to preach last week i'm kind of backed up um and so if you brought your lunch go ahead and unpack it uh i'm just kidding but so we're wrapping up our implications of easter series this morning and we've kind of looked at this the past couple weeks since Easter. And really week one, which just kind of really talked about because of the resurrection, we have hope. Hope is a vital term 
And as believers, we have access to hope. And we live in hope. Then that we have true and sure hope. And then Pastor Clint preached last week a phenomenal message that because of the resurrection, we, we have freedom to live as the king, that we've been adopted into the family because Christ conquered the grave. We have that access. But this morning, as I did a couple weeks ago, I'm going to give you the central idea up front. We're going to be in Matthew 28 if you want to turn there. But our central idea is this, because of the resurrection, believers have a purpose. Because of the resurrection, because Christ conquered the grave, you and I today, we have a purpose. We have a reason for living. And interestingly enough, just kind of doing some research, I came across, even at an individual level, I came across this article from Psychology Today. Now this is a secular publication. No mention of God in this article, but even it recognized the benefits of having a purpose in life, a reason to get up in the morning. Again, completely secular, no mention of God, no mention of eternity or anything like that, but that there's even health benefits to just having a purpose in life whether it be your physical health, your mental health. It even said that people who identified a purpose in their life live longer than people who have no purpose in life. They're just simply identifying a purpose. But here's the reality, church. As believers in Christ, we have a purpose in life that far exceeds anything that we can dream of or imagine. That as believers in Christ, we have a purpose that echoes into eternity, that we have a purpose that will still flow into eternity, that our purpose does not end simply when our bodies are laid into the ground. We have a purpose, and namely that purpose is to make disciples. You probably could tell that's where we were going when I told you to go to Matthew 28. But also collectively, that as a church, we must understand what our purpose is. Why do we exist as a church? I'll never forget when I was in seminary, I had an opportunity one semester, I, I had this mentoring type relationship with a, with a pastor and uh, still have a great relationship with pastor. Been there 20, 25 years, and I look up to any pastor that can deal with church people for 20, 25 years. But he was there for 20, 25 years, and this is a church that runs 2,000 plus on Sunday mornings. And I would just go, and once a week, I would just drive up to Montgomery and sit in his office, and it was like drinking from a fire hydrant every single week. Just kind of pastoral wisdom being shared with me from all those years of experience. I'll never forget, we're finishing one of our sessions, and uh, he said, okay, come prepared next week. We are going to talk about how to handle church conflict. And I was all excited, because let's just be honest, as Baptists, 
in a close second to church potluck, we enjoy a good church fight. So what we do as Baptists. And so I'm all excited. I'm giddy. The night before I drove up to Montgomery, it was, like, it was like Christmas Eve. I'm looking forward to this conversation. I get there early. I go into his office. And I'm sitting there. I've got my pen and my pad ready to write down all of the wealth of wisdom that's about to flow out. Sit there. He goes, are you ready to talk about church conflict? I said, yes, sir. And he looks at me square in the eyes. He goes, Bird dogs fight when they don't hunt. Is, is this part of the notes? Am I supposed to write that down? He said, let, let me explain to you. He said, bird dogs fight when they don't hunt. Bird dogs were designed and created with a purpose. They were designed, they have the energy and the ability to go hunt. And if they don't go hunt, they will then use that energy against one another. So you have to have them hunt so they don't fight. He said, in the same way, Christians are designed for a purpose. And when Christians have this energy and enthusiasm and they don't exert their purpose, they will begin to turn against one another. He said this, you show me a church that is chronically in conflict. He said, you will show me a church that does not know why it exists. You show me a church that's constantly fighting with one another. You will show me a church that's not on mission. Why? Because if I'm on mission, if I'm sitting there going, I need to make disciples, I don't have time to pick a fight with Mike. If I'm sitting there going, there are lost people out there that need to hear the gospel, I don't have time to pick a fight with Clint. There are people in the community that will die and spend eternity in hell. I don't have time to fight. Why? Because we have a purpose and we have a mission. And so it's incredibly important that we as a church identify what our purpose is. And it's the great commission from Matthew 28. This is why we exist so let's read through this and then we'll make a couple observations. Be incredibly practical with you this morning. Matthew 28. We know this text is a familiar text, verses 16 through 20. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We praise you. God, we pray now as we take this moment, God, would you take the truths of this text and the commission and the purpose for why we exist and drill them deep into our hearts. And God will give you all the praise, honor, and glory. We pray all this in Christ's name, amen. So we know this text is a familiar text, the Great Commission. 
that Christ has been resurrected from the grave. And so he calls his disciples together. And now I just want you to picture this moment. Like the disciples have gone from abject despair, seeing Christ crucified on the cross, to now hope in seeing Christ resurrected from the grave. They've seen Christ resurrected. Imagine what's going through their minds at this moment. We read in the book of Acts that they're sitting there thinking Christ is going to now establish his kingdom here on earth. Surely this is it. And really Christ flips the table on them. He says, no, 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 I'm going to get out of here, but you're going to be my witnesses. I am now commissioning you to go. And that Christ's last command should be our first priority. That this is why we exist. And so two things I want us to notice. First, notice the command of our purpose. The command of our purpose. So going back to verse 19, he says, go therefore. So because of this, because of the resurrection, I'll get to the all authority part in just a moment, but because of all of this, because of the resurrection, because of who I am, you now go. Now I've heard some people butcher this text before, so let me just wax professorial for a moment. That this term go is a participle, but it's an introductory participle which takes the mood of the immediate verb next to it, which is what? Make disciples. It's a command. And so the go is interpreted as a command just as much as make disciples is. What does that mean? That failure to go make disciples is to break a command of Christ. What do we call breaking commands of Christ? Sin. So hear me this morning. Why do we go make disciples? Why do we go? Why do we make disciples? First and foremost, we are commanded to. We are told to. And that failure to make disciples is disobedience to what Christ has already commanded us to do. So he says, go and make disciples. Go make disciples. What does it mean by make disciples? A disciple is simply a learner or a follower of a particular leader or a particular teacher. But not only that, it is someone who also then promotes that particular leader or that particular teacher. And so what is a disciple of Christ? It is someone who devotes themselves to following Jesus. But not only that, promotes the calls of Jesus. The disciple of Christ is one who devotes their life to following Jesus, but also devotes their life to seeing others follow Jesus. This is what a disciple is. A devoted follower of Christ who seeks to see others be a devoted follower of Christ. 
That's what a disciple is. So we're called to make those, to urge people to follow Jesus, to walk alongside them in this journey to follow Jesus. That's what we are called to do as a church, to go make disciples. This is the commission that we have. But not only do we have this commission, we are given the course for carrying that out. So he says, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So how do we go about making disciples of all nations? How do we go about seeing people fully devoted to follow Jesus? First and foremost is baptism. Now, in our modern-day church context, baptism is heavily watered down, pun intended. But in the first century, as a first century believer, baptism was an incredibly serious matter. Why? Because if you were baptized, you made this outward profession of faith, you were signing your death warrant. What if the wrong person sees you baptized? You could be the next martyr of the church. So baptism was so serious that I identify so strongly with Jesus that I'm so committed to follow after Jesus that I'm going to get dunked and death may come from me getting dunked, but Jesus is worth more than the death that may come. So what is baptism? It's an outward sign, but it's also the entrance into the Christian community. That not only am I identified with Jesus in baptism, I'm identified with a local body of believers. Not only just local, but the universal body of believers. So we have this one-time act, this one entrance, but not only that, so baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So there's baptizing, there's baptism, this one-time act, but then we have this ongoing act. That as a follower of Christ, you do not take one Sunday school class and have it all figured out. Like, it's not like we're going to have it. We're, listen, we're going to gather together tonight at 6 o'clock, and I'm going to give you everything there is to know about being a Christian, and you can leave this place and you're set. It's an ongoing process. It's an ongoing journey teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So not only is it an ongoing journey where we are growing, where we are learning more about what Christ has commanded, it's also an ongoing journey where he says, to observe all that I've commanded you. What, what else does that include, all that I've commanded you? This very command itself to go make disciples. So not only is it an ongoing journey where we are growing, we are then growing to go make more disciples. Do you see the flow of this? So baptizing entrance into the Christian community, but growing in the Christian community. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's our commission, that's our command. This is why we exist. 
Make no mistake about church, we have no other reason to exist. There is no plan B. Well, what happens if we don't make disciples? We don't exist. There is no plan B. Plan A is to go make disciples. And what if that doesn't work? We go make disciples. And if that doesn't work, we go make disciples. There is no other plan. There is no other purpose for our existence. We don't exist to be a social club. We don't exist to be a country club. We exist to go make disciples. That's it. So we have the commission, but then let's just be honest. That's heavy. That's weighty. That's a big task. That's a big ordeal. Jesus, you're saying we're to go to all the nations and make disciples? That brings us to the comfort of our purpose. We see two things. First is the promise of power. Verse 18, Jesus came and said to them, now notice all of this within the context of Christ's resurrection. And they've gathered, some are worshiping, some are doubting. It says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We've said it before, but it's worth repeating. Jesus makes no contingency clause in here. Jesus does not say some authority. Jesus does not say most authority. Jesus does not say what authority people will recognize. He does not hedge his bets at all, but simply says all authority, not in heaven and not just in heaven or not just on earth, but all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Because here's the thing I want us to understand, church. When it comes to the commission, yes, it's a heavy, it's a weighty deal. The thought of going to all the nations to make disciples, even just the thought of going across the street to make disciples can be intimidating. And if it was contingent upon your authority or my authority, we would always fail. But here's the thing, it's not contingent upon your authority. It's not contingent upon your abilities. It's not contingent upon your intellect. It's not contingent upon your ability to say the right words at the right time. It is contingent upon the level of authority that Jesus has. And what does he say? All authority. Well, Jesus, how are we supposed to take the gospel? I've got the authority. Well, Jesus, how are we supposed to function as a church? Is it contingent upon our pastor's authority? Is it contingent upon our deacon's authority? Is it contingent upon our staff's authority? No. It's contingent upon the one who has all authority. That's the promise that we have. Yes, it's a big task. Yes, it's a heavy load to think about taking the gospel to the nations, to think about taking the gospel right here in Northeast Georgia. Yes, it's a difficult task. 
But praise God, it's not based on you. It's based on the one who has all authority. So he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So then that gives us the context for go therefore. So we go in light of that. We go in light of the one that we're going with, which brings us to our second point. Not only the promise of power, but the promise of presence. So Jesus begins this commission by saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go therefore, baptizing, teaching in this little phrase, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So not only do we have the promise of power that the one who has all authority is the one sending us off, but we have this promise of his presence. Because how tragic would it have been for Jesus to say, listen, I've got all power, I've got all authority, but listen, I'm going to be over here, you're going to be over there, you got to figure this thing out. Like how terrifying would that have been? But no, Jesus ends the commission. But not only saying, I've got all authority, I've got all power, and I'm with you. I'm present with you. So what gives us the ability to go across the street to share the gospel and disciple someone and see someone come to know Jesus? What gives us that strength and ability? Is it in and of ourselves? No. It's that we have the one who has all authority and he's there in the midst of that conversation. He's there in the midst of that encounter. He's there in the midst of that discipleship. He's there. He's present in all of that. This should be our comfort in this. That if we as Airline Baptist Church sit here and go, man, this is a heavy task to go make disciples. And we think we can do it in and of ourselves, we will sadly fall. But the beauty is we don't do it in and of ourselves. We do it with the one who has all authority and is present. Church, this is why we exist. This is why God placed this church on this hill going on 150 years next year. Right, Mike? That's about when you started here at Airline? Plus or <laughs> All those years ago when God planted this church here, he was meeting needs back then. But he also knew coming down the road 150 years later, this hill would still need a church to take the gospel to the community and to the ends of the earth. This is why we exist. This is our purpose. And because of the resurrection, we have a purpose. We have a meaning to exist. Individually, we have a reason to get up in the morning. 
to go make disciples. As a church, we have a reason to get up in the morning to go make disciples. And we have comfort in that, knowing who Jesus is and that he's with us. This is why we exist. So I told you I want to move into some more practical territories. We begin to wrap up. So how do we do this? How do we be a church and be individuals who are living missionally and on purpose? How do we do this as a church? And so I want to begin first with that corporate aspect as a church. Three things. First, as a church, we must have the right heart. We must have the right heart. I don't need an answer to this. I'm just going to ask this question. Are we actually passionate about the community that we live in? Because we, we say we're Christ-driven, community-focused. But are we passionate about it? Do we actually love our community? Do we, do we actually say we want to see God do something astounding here in this community? Are we passionate about it? But not only that, are we broken about it? We're broken to see people here in our community that God has placed around us. Are we broken to see them come to know Jesus and to walk with him? We broken about that. Do we have the right heart? And as a church, if we're going to live missionally, if we're going to live on purpose, for a purpose, we have to have the right heart. That we are passionate for the context in which God has placed this church. But not only that, not only do we have to have the right heart, but we have to have the right mind. The way that we think through things as a church. Because if this is our purpose, if this is why we exist, to make disciples, then that should be the fundamental question that we ask of everything. So when it comes to budget discussions, it should be, does this help us make disciples or does this hinder us from making disciples? When we think of giving, does this help us make disciples or does this hinder us from making disciples? Which is why we give, because we are passionate about this community. We want to see disciples made in this community and to the ends of the earth in that act of worship. So we have to have the right mind. That this is the framework by which we view everything, the Great Commission. But not only that, do we have to have the right heart and have the right mind? But then third, we have to have the right hands. That there comes a point, church, when it can't be something that we just talk about that we must put hands and feet to being the hands and feet of Jesus. 
that when someone out in the community sees Airline Baptist Church, do they drive by and go, man, and they may not have the proper theological terminology to put with this, but do they drive by and go, man, that's the hands and feet of Jesus right there. Like there, there's just something about that church that just makes me think of Jesus. That we actually put hands and feet to being the hands and feet of Jesus. That we actually go beyond the walls of the church to be the hands and feet. So how do we as a corporate body of believers be the hands and feet of Jesus? How do we live on purpose for a purpose? The right heart, the right mind, and the right hands. But not only do I want us to think about us corporately as a church, but then individually, right where you are, how do you live missionally? How do you live on purpose to make disciples as an individual. First and foremost, I must have intentionality with how God has planted me. I must have intentionality with how God has planted me. That every single one of us, God has planted within a particular context. Every single one of us, God has planted in a particular area. There's two things here in which God has planted in our lives. First is my people. That there are people in your life that God has planted there. It's no accident. It's no mistake. Like we talk about the sovereignty of God, that he formed the heavens and he's holding the earth together and he's holding the skies together. And then and all the way down to the atoms that he's holding the cells together of your very being. But the people in your life are an accident. Do we really think that? No. The, the people that are in your life are there for a purpose. And God has planted them in your life. Even your family, your coworkers, your friends, whatever the case it may be, they are there in your life. Be intentional with it to make disciples, to live on purpose. You may, you may be saying, well, Pastor Zach, that's great, but listen, you don't understand my mother-in-law. Not me personally. My, mother, my mother-in-law is back there, okay. Not me personally. Do you really think it's an accident that person's in your life? No matter how difficult they may be, no matter how much strife they may cause at the family Christmas gathering, do you really think God messed up on that one? No, the God has planted them in your life for a purpose. So I must be intentional with the people God has planted in my life. But not only the people, not only my people that God has planted in my life, but then second, my places. That we all have places that God has planted in our life. First and foremost, our jobs 
in our careers. That as a Christian, God has planted you there for a purpose. God has reasons and intentions for you being where you are to achieve his commission. And so no matter what your job title may be, you are first and foremost a missionary and ambassador of Christ. So if I, I can say this because we have a few here, if I'm an insurance agent, I'm not an insurance agent who happens to be a Christian. I'm a Christian who sells insurance. If I'm a teacher, if I'm in education, I'm not a teacher who happens to be Christian. I'm a Christian who works in the public school system. That that comes first. That God has planted me there. God has intentions for me there. So we have our work, but we also, what about where we live? Do you think the side of town or the neighborhood or the area in which you live is an accident? Again, that God's sovereignly orchestrating all the events of the world, and yet you kind of slip through the radar with your neighborhood. Like God really meant for you to be in the nicer house across town, but that kind of got backed up on his calendar that day. No, God has you there for a reason. God has you there for a purpose. Like I, I still don't quite understand, like when Wendy and I, when we were house shopping up here, like we got, we got denied on a house that was cheaper than the one we ended up buying. Why? Apparently God didn't want us there. And so when I go to the neighborhood like that, I'm not just going to my house. Like not only am I the pastor of Airline Baptist Church, but when I go to our little neighborhood in Lula, Georgia, I am the resident missionary for that neighborhood. Like God planted me there. And so our house is not just this cute little safe haven. It's the base of operations for us to take the gospel to our neighborhood. That God has planted you there as well. Even with difficult neighbors, even with neighbors who for some reason like to cut the grass at 6 a.m. on a Saturday morning, God has planted you there. Be intentional with how God has planted you you. So I must have intentionality with how God has planted me. But then second, I must have intentionality with how God has prepared me. With how God has prepared me. And each of us have these. First is my past. That every single one of us, we all have a past, we all have prior experiences, we all have things that have formed us and shaped us to today. How can God use that to make disciples? I shared with you before, you all, you all know my story, my testimony. Um, one of the things that God has opened up doors for me through is just my, my past and my experience with playing football. I mean, like I'm, I'm, I'm helping out with, with East Hall this year 
getting ready for spring practice next week and all that fun stuff. What afforded me the opportunity to be able to walk into that coach's room? My past experience. That I can walk into a coach's office and break down the blitz package of a 3-4 defense. Some of you, that may have sounded like Greek. But then be able to use that conversation to talk about Jesus. And that's afforded me some opportunities to go into spaces to make disciples. But here's the reality. While that may be an open door for me and not for you, there are things that God has worked and equipped you for in your past that will open up a door, open up a door for you that would never be open for me. And that God has prepared prepared you for this moment to go make disciples in there. So what in your past can you be intentional with to go make disciples today? But not only my past, second, my proficiencies, that all of us are gifted in different ways. All of us are uniquely gifted. We're not all gifted the same. How can I use God's giftings in my life to go make disciples? I've said it before, I'll say it again. It would be incredibly boring for a church to have everybody with the exact same gift. Could you imagine how terrible that would be? Like imagine if every single person in the church was gifted to teach. Like we would have some awesome sermons. We would have some awesome life groups. We would have some awesome Wednesday nights, but nobody there to participate. Have a whole bunch of teachers, no classes. How terrible would that be? Or if everybody in the church had the gift of administration, the budgets would be pristine. Church documents would be pristine. But man, that'd be a boring place to be around. Everybody had the gift of benevolence. We'd be the Salvation Army, but what are we doing with that? We all have different gifts. We all have different abilities. How has God gifted you specifically to make disciples? How has he gifted you? So I'm in, I must be intentional how God has purposed me or how God has prepared me in my past, my proficiencies. But then lastly, my passions. What do I actually enjoy doing? And I'm not talking, I'm not talking about sinful passions here, okay? Don't come up to me after church and be like, Pastor Zach, I, listen, I really enjoy grand theft auto and stealing cars. How can I use that for ministry, okay? Not talking about sinful passions, but those good things that you enjoy. How can God use those things to make disciples? I've shared with you my hobby for football, but I don't know that I've shared this yet. One of my other hobbies I enjoy and I'm going to get back into it here since we've moved. Um, I, I enjoy participating in strongman competitions. Like this, this may not sound fun to you, but it sounds fun to me. Like I, I have the goal to take, to be able to deadlift 800 pounds from the floor. That's a goal. Like that sounds exciting to me. 
Sounds exciting to me to take a 400-pound log and pick it up off the ground and press it above my head. Sounds exciting to me. And so I'll go to the gym. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you the name of the gym because I don't want to get any bad publicity. Um, but I try to find the gym that I don't go to Planet Fitness or Anytime Fitness or, you know, clean gyms. I go to gyms where you walk in and you may catch tetanus. I go to gyms where people look angry all the time. I go to gyms where some of the ladies have traps that touch their ears. Go to gyms where you may hear some questionable music. Why? Because that's a passion of mine that God has gifted me the opportunity to go in and take the gospel. I'll never forget down in Florida, the gym I'd go to. I was just sitting there working out one day. And I, like, I didn't even, people knew I was a pastor and we'd have some conversations, but I was just sitting there working out. Had a guy come middle, middle of my set, sit down at the bench across from me and go, tell me about this whole God thing. Like I didn't prompt that conversation. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't go up to the guy and be like, what do you believe about God? He sat down across from me and said, tell me about this whole God thing. And I was able to share the gospel with him right there. Why? Simply because I was available. Another time, another time I'm sitting there, and again, in the middle of a workout, had a guy pull me into, say, say Zach, I really need to talk to you. Pull me into a single stall bathroom. And he looked at me, tears flowing down his face, and he said, my marriage is falling apart. What do I do? Why? I was just available. I was just, I was able to talk to him and walk with him through that. I mean, I said, well, let's get out of this bathroom stall. This is getting weird. But just simply being available and intentional with how God has prepared me. And all of us here, you have, different, you have a different past than I do. You have different proficiencies and gifts than I do. You have different passions than I do. How can you be intentional with those things to go make disciples? Because this, this is when the church gets beautiful, okay? When we see this ebb and flow. It, it's a lot like the, the ocean. You go down to the beach, it's just mesmerizing to sit there and watch the waves come in and the waves go back out, right? Like we just, we pay thousands of dollars to go to a beach house, to sit on the beach in the sand, get sand everywhere, just to watch, get in the ocean and just watch the waves, right? And that's really how church should be, that we gather together on a Sunday morning. We gather together for a special event. We gather together to go make disciples and to share the gospel. We gather together, and that's the waves going back out into the ocean. And then we scatter together and go back out to the shore. And what do we do? Whatever we get while we're at the shore is coming back with us back into the ocean. And when the church does that, it's a beautiful thing. That we're constantly gathering and scattering. 
gathering and scattering. And that as a corporate body of believers, we do those things. But then individually, I'm intentional about these things and how God can use this in my life to make disciples. We must be intentional. We must be intentional where God has planted me, but also how God has prepared me. So as we close and the, the band comes back to the stage, I, I just can't help but think, church, what if we, what if we did this? Like what, what if we, were, we had a laser-like focus on our purpose? What if we were intentional about making disciples? That this was our sole reason for existing. One of my favorite baptism stories um, from our time in, in Florida <clears throat> had this, this, I don't want to say elderly, I don't like to use the term elderly, a seasoned couple of saints, we'll say that. Extra seasoned. They were, they were up in their 80s. I got a phone call from them one day. They said, Pastor, are you at the office? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm here. Can we come by and see you? I said, yeah. Can we bring somebody to meet you? I said, yes. I mean, I'm happily married, but you can bring somebody by to see me. So they bring, they bring, they come by the church office and they bring this lady in and um, they go, this is so-and-so. We've known, we've, we've been, we've known her for the past 50 years. She's like a daughter to us. And just this week, she prayed to receive Christ. Over the span of 50 years of simply sharing, praying, planting, and doing that over and over again. She actually came out of Judaism when she prayed to receive Christ. So her first Sunday at church was... Actually, the Sunday I, I brought her up and said, hey, this is so-and-so. She prayed to receive Christ this week. And her second Sunday at church was to be baptized. So I baptized her that Sunday. You say, why, what's so special about that? Why would you share that with us? Well, because, I mean, you know how preachers can do sometimes. They like to tell stories to make themselves look good and make you think higher of them. I share that because it had nothing to do with me. I did nothing in that entire story. But, but Clint, I just remember that Sunday after she was baptized, I was standing in the back of the sanctuary just kind of watching Everybody's going up to her and talking to her afterwards and just excited for her. And this was my honest thought. We've made church so complicated. 
Like I'm just standing there and I'm watching this lady who had, had just come out of Judaism, prayed to receive Christ and was growing and excited in her faith, was just baptized and it had nothing to do with a church program. It had nothing to do with her coming to hear me preach and me giving a really good altar call and invitation and her coming down front. Nothing to do with that. All it was was a couple of saints who said, I want to pray for you. I want to share with you. I'm going to keep planting the seed in your life until finally, Lord willing, one day it sprouts and brings forth fruit. I'm sitting there going, we've made it so complicated. Like We've complicated church. That what if that was the rhythm? that we gather and we scatter, that we gather together, we corporately worship, we engage in events where we strategically go out into our community to try to evangelize and share the gospel and see, to see people discipled. Yes, we want to do that, but what if week in and week out, we all said, okay, we're going back to where God has planted me and prepared me to go make disciples. What if we did that? know what would happen. I've got, Mike, I've got a three-year plan for us to need overflow space in here. You ready? You ready for it? We go make disciples. Because imagine if one year from now, let's say theoretically we had a 100% success rate that we all said, okay, uh, this year I'm going to go share the gospel and disciples with someone that's in my sphere of influence. We would be doubled in attendance this time next year. And then the following year, we said, we're gonna do the same thing. And that doubled attendance then went, shared the gospel, made disciples. We'd be sitting at about capacity. And then year three, we do the same thing. At that point, we're either building the balcony or we're running two to three worship services. If we just go make disciples. Church, there's no need to complicate it. It's not that complicated. It's why we exist. And that's it. So as we close, I want to invite you individually to pray and ask God how he can use you to make disciples where he has planted you and how he has prepared you. But not only that, that God would give us a passion as a church for his purpose for us as a church. Why? Because we have a resurrected king who has commissioned us. If you want to come down here and pray, you're more than welcome to. If you need somebody to pray with, Clint, Mike, and I will be standing all around here if you need somebody to pray with. But let's pray both individually and corporately. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning, and we thank you and give you praise for today. God, we pray now for us individually. God, help us to see where you have planted and prepared us. But God, as a church, help us to be a church 
where the commission is priority. This is why we exist. And God will give you all the praise, honor, and glory. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and respond today.
Amen. And how marvelous a love it is. Like we, we heard this morning, a Savior that died for us, but that didn't just leave us, that said, I will be with you always until the end of the age. Hey, listen, you guys can be seated. we got a few closing announcements, and then we'll have Pastor Zach come up and and uh, give some exciting news. So just a few things as we close out. Of course, uh, don't, remember that we've got the new giving box there uh, in, the lo- in the lobby. Um, as well as if you are a first-time guest with us, uh, Pastor Zach would love to meet you. You can stop by our Pastors Connect area. Not corner, but area in the lobby there. Got a small gift just to give you as an appreciation for you being here. Make sure to check your your bulletin and, and worship guide. We've got a few awesome things coming up as we kind of get ready to transition into that summer mode. So we've got some 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 big things. We've got Mother's Day. We've got a just tea party. Uh, that's kind of cool. I wish I could go to a tea party, but neither here nor there. So check out who to talk to about that. And then um, we, we, we've got a high school graduate recognition. Talk to Pastor Taylor if you're doing uh, graduate. And then Mother's Day baby dedication. If you're dedicating a baby, want to make sure to get with Carol in our front office to, to go over that. Um, VBS sign up, last thing, and then we'll be done. VBS sign up uh, is happening right now. We've got volunteer sign up is occurring, and then we're going to open up registration a little bit later. But if you want to volunteer and serve somewhere in VBS, you can go on our website. You can check out right back here. Uh, Pastor Mike told me there's places to do that, sign up, and then there's a QR code you can scan to go online and figure that out. So I think that's all our announcements. Zach, you want to? Awesome. Thank, thank you, Chase. Um, exciting news. I've got uh, Billy and Kathy Brechter. Y'all, y'all may know them if y'all want to come on up. Um, just to welcome them and introduce them. They're coming forward today as prospective members of Airline Baptist Church, and so they're, they're seeking to move their letter here. And so, so excited for them. And uh, if y'all don't know, these are, uh, this is my father and mother-in-law. And uh, I asked them if they could deal with the pasture, and they said they thought they could. Um, and so we're so excited to have them here. And so as we close this morning, yeah, just uh, give, them, give them a hand. Let them know you're excited for them. Um, and, uh, and so I'm going to pray for us and then ask y'all just kind of stay right here and then just come up and encourage them. Let them know how excited you are for them to be coming um, to be a part of our airline family. And so let's pray together. Father God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. Thank you for today and just the opportunity to worship you. Thank you for Billy and Kathy coming forward, um, God, to join this faith family. And God, we'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory for that. And God, what you're going to do in their lives here at this church. And so, God, we love you. We praise you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. And you are dismissed.